You know, about this time of year, everybody starts looking back at the year in past review. You know, all the TV shows, they do the year in review and all the good, the bad, and the ugly and everything that goes along with it. And I'm just thinking a couple of days ago about the past year from the perspective of a believer around the world. And, and, you know, and if you start looking, there were some positives, but if you just look at the negatives alone, and we, you know, we see the things like terrorism, we see martyrdom, gosh, we see world economies in a mess, we see disasters, natural disasters, we see the legal system even getting into to biblical issues in our own nation and around the world, we see more and more restrictions on Christian beliefs. And this is not meant to pull us down this morning, but just a realization of what we're, what we're dealing with. And we see our, our freedoms being restricted, and we even see so many people within the church now changing their positions and views on biblical issues because they say society has gotten to a place where we need to do that. And so you ask yourself, what do we put our hope in? Do we have hope? What, what, what does our future look like? And, uh, you know, if you look at next year, you'd say, well, for believers, we're going to probably see some more of the same. But that's not to say that, that we don't have hope and that we don't have uh, opportunities. And so we just was looking through Scripture, you know, and, and, and we, what do we base our hope on? Well, there's a couple of things for sure. Jesus Christ is still alive and well and at the right hand of the Father, right? He still lives, and he's not through with us. And uh, he's promised to come back and get us, and all he's waiting on is God the Father to say, Son, go get him. Let's, let's fix this issue. Has God ever failed to keep a promise? No. So we can count on that. The other thing we can put our hope in and know for sure, we're still here. If you're here this morning, he's not through with you. Now, you may be gone next week, and that's between him, you know, him and you, but, and I may be as well, but God's not through with us yet. So we absolutely have a hope for tomorrow and the year to come because he still lives. We still have purpose. And so that's kind of what I wanted to look at this morning. And we're talking about putting our hope. Isaiah 40, 31 is a great verse. It's a verse you ought to read every day. He said, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be afraid. If our hope is in God, and he's working in our lives, and we're in, we're in tune with what he's doing, we don't have anything to worry about. Because it's taken care of. We, we may not be able to deal with all the details. We may not like the way everything goes. But we have no worries and no concerns in this world if we'll just follow him and do what he says do. Now, that doesn't necessarily change the issues. But it just means we know we're victorious in them because he's already been victorious in them. Our, our battle's already won. We just need to live it out and fill it out. So, And just thinking about it and looking about those things, and, you know, we're not the first believers that's ever suffered through things. We won't be the last. We've been blessed as Americans to enjoy greatness and enjoy good times and enjoy peaceful times as believers. That's getting a little more sticky. But, hey, the rest of the world's been dealing with it for a long, long time. And I, I heard a fellow the other day, was, he was talking about, it was kind of a good illustration. He was, was a native in a foreign country, and he said, I despise the day that electricity came to our village. And the missionary asked him, he said, well, why is that? Because he said, before electricity came, we gathered every night around a big fire, and the grandfathers told stories of the past, and we passed on the family heritage. He said, now that everybody has electricity, they stay in their own house, and they don't come out, and they don't fellowship together, and don't pass it down, and they don't, they don't do those things. 
And so the key is, how do we approach that journey each day? And in, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, they were dealing with a lot of issues, people falling away from the church, they had false teachers, they had influence from the outside, they had things going on in the church. There's two verses just right towards the end of 1 Corinthians that I'm going to deal with this morning, just very shortly. And it's 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, and then 16 and 13. It should be in my Bible, it's right across the page. <laughs> so, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm coming back. I'm going to help you. But this is what you do in the time meeting until I get there. He said, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. Then he moves right over into chapter 16, and when he's talking about the resurrection, in verse 13, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And do everything in love. And so the commands he gave them is four things that I want us to look at just the morning. And what is the simple message of those four things? And what does it mean to us? Because that's, that's how we approach them all. That's how, that's how as believers we, we, we walk into next year. First one he's talking about is stand firm or steadfast. That means in, in, some, in Greek in the language, seated, locked in, secure. It means if it's a person, it's reliable, faithful, truthful. Perseverance, somebody that you don't have to worry about falling out if it gets a little bit rough. They're going to stay. Job was a good example. Job, Job didn't know what was wrong, but Job stayed there, and he didn't turn on God. James 1.3 talks about trials. He said the trials are testing of your faith. That word also translates perseverance. In other words, be the type of person that's going to endure. You're going to say, whatever comes, I'm going to endure. And the people around you know, this person will be here. This person will endure this. And, and so being solid in who we are, but just stand firm. We, in a day, if we ever need believers just to stand firm, just for people to understand who we are and go, you know what? I don't agree with them, but they're not, you don't move those folks. They know who they are and why they're there. So to stand firm, steadfast, or be committed is a good way to put that. I heard a good illustration of an English guy a few years back. He, was a, he fooled with carrier pigeons. And he had a pigeon that somebody had stolen and had clipped the wings off of this pigeon because he couldn't fly. So then they clipped their wings and they can't fly home. Well, this bird got out and walked home. It was about 10 or 12 miles. Now, that's commitment, you know. This bird's going home. He don't care. But, you know, we got a lot of Christians. You know, we stump a toe and we're through with our ministry for a year. You know, we'll try it again next year. So, But just being faithful and truthful and, and just and being able to stick it out steadfast. The world needs to look at believers today and, and you know, say, you know, these, these, these people have got something because you just don't rattle them. They don't give up when things get tough. They don't, they don't falter. And we need more of that. Second one he talks about here is, is immovable or unmovable. He said, let nothing move you. In verse 13, it talks about being strong or men of courage. And so basically there, it's, it's in our faith, it's understanding who we are, understanding what we believe, understanding why we're believing it. And stand on it. Don't be ashamed of it. I work in a tough environment. I work for a huge corporation that, you know, we have all our rules and restrictions about, about gender and what we can say and can't say and religion and all that. But everybody in that building knows that I'm a Christian. They know I'm a minister. And it doesn't bother anybody. 
But it's because we need to let people know that. We need to understand and be strong in our faith and not be ashamed of that. And be able to, to translate that, articulate that to other people. What's Paul saying in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and today I don't say we're ashamed of the gospel, but too many Christians today are afraid for certain segments of life to know that you're really a devout Christian because they might think a different way about you. And then what the world needs is for us to stand up and be counted for who we are. And so he's talking about being immovable. In other words, and when we say that, it doesn't mean build a fort and defend it. It doesn't mean that we go out there and we're mean, that we're arrogant, that we're judging of people. It means just the opposite, that we go out, that we're loving, that we're kind, that we're compassionate, that we care. We're trying to share the gospel with people, but we're immovable. We're not going to, to, to lower our guard here. Society today is trying to push us as Christians, to feel guilty or to be ashamed of who we are in Christ. Well, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't uh, pass that on to someone. You shouldn't put that pressure on other people. Well, we're not. We're doing it out of love if we're doing it the right way. And so they need, people need to look at you and say, well, I don't agree with that person, but I know they care about me. You can't keep people from, you can't, they can't stop you from loving them and praying for them. Don't ever forget that. You can love them in spite of them. And they can tell you they hate your guts and you can still love them. And so, but, but that's the challenge. Live it with compassion. Live it with kindness. Live it out the way we're, we're doing. Be willing to be rejected. Don't worry about it. Stand up for Jesus. And that's one of the things he's talking about, being immovable and being strong. Do not be afraid to be who you are in the public eye or anywhere you're at. We are believers of the children of the living God. We just talked about he's, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He loves us. He's coming back for us. He has a life prepared for us in eternity. He has a mission for us here. And we, we'll get into that on another time. But if you're sitting in this room alive this morning, God's got something for you to do. And you're not through with it or else you'd probably be gone. So he wants us to be involved in what he's doing. And the backside of that is it's a blessing involved in it. And so... As, as he continually challenges us to do that. But be, be approachable. Be, be strong. Be courage. Be approachable. Let people be willing to discuss with people. Be willing to, to talk to anybody about any faith and not be afraid to lay yours out on the line. It doesn't mean you're going to change your mind, but you don't have to be mean to them. Give them an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Give them an opportunity to see somebody that represents Christ in the way that he ought to be represented in love and compassion because he tells us, you know, you love your God with all your soul, with all your heart, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then what did he say? And the rest of these commandments come after them. So if you don't get those two right, he said, you really shouldn't be worrying about the rest of them too much. So that's always been our challenge. And But people need to know where you stand. i give you a good example. i got two daughters. They're a younger generation. They're a little more liberal in some areas, and we have some things we don't agree on. And we have some awesome discussions. I guess you could call them awesome. I'm not sure. But, uh, and, uh, but here's one thing. You can call my girls on the essentials of the faith and on the essentials of what Scripture says is right and wrong. And you can ask them, where's your daddy at? And they can tell you that quick, what I believe about something. And they can, and they can tell you right quick. And no, he hadn't changed his mind since 10 years ago or whatever because he knows what he believes and, he, and why he believes it. And yet, and I know a lot of people like that that I interact with, but yet there, there's, not a, there's not a gap, there's not a wall there. We don't have an issue with it. They just know that I know what I believe. And we all ought to be able to do that and be a movement. And, and the people around us should understand 
this person is a believer in Jesus Christ. This is his word. This is what we, this is what we believe. And there's nothing to be ashamed of there. And actually God will bless it. And you'll be surprised the people around you will respond to that more than, more than you think they will. So it's a, it's, it's just that challenge to, to keep doing that and, and keep, uh, and, and keep, keep holding our guard up. Thirdly, he talks about being on your guard here. Now, what's he being on the guard here for? What he's talking about being on, on our guard in verse 13 is because of Paul was right, the false teaching coming into the church. So it's always been a problem, always will be. We're, we're always dealing with things coming in and out of the faith. Today, culture is changing the faith a whole lot or trying to, getting, getting government involved in it. But he talks about being on, a, on our guard. Well, the thing, how do, how do we stay secure in that? It's in his word. He gave us this word. I mean, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that. It said it's God-breathed. That means it every bit came from God. He gave it. He gave it once. That's it. There's no new revelation. There's no changing something because culture's changed. God hadn't changed his mind because people have changed. If it was sin then, it's sin now. If it was a blessing then, it was a blessing now. If it honored God then, it honored God now. If it didn't honor God then, it don't honor him now. It's that simple. And don't be ashamed of that in our faith as we walk every day. God's looking for people that says, I love him and I, I, I love you and I love your word. And he'll honor that. And so, and but again, Matthew 5.18 is a good little verse. We're talking about we're seeing so much happening with things changing. 5.18 says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So all these people today that are just taking parts of the Bible said, well, you know, we're just not going to honor that anymore and uh, because we don't think it's, it, it's conducive with culture and society. Who gave them the right to do that? You can't do that. It's, God's looking for people that will stay in his word, stay in his truth, and, and, and hold it up because that's what's going to reach people. That's what's going to save people, and that's what's going to keep us out of trouble, and that's what's going to keep us on the right path and keep us learning and keep us growing, but it takes work. You got to study, you got to read, you got to want to, you got to put yourself in situations. And that's kind of our challenge for the next year. You know, you say, well, I've done real good this year. Well, great, let's do better next year. You know, let's grow next year. Let's grow more as we, as we go through. But again, just being on guard, watching what you're doing, and, uh, and not letting things slip in, in, into us. Uh, it's God's unchanging world and, and word. And we see, we see stuff every day. I mean, people being led astray by just this and that and everything. Or as you said a while ago, you missed Jesus in the wrapping. There's so much wrapping in a lot of the religious stuff coming out today that we miss Jesus in it too. And so that's a challenge for us. And, and again, we're not trying to be dogmatic, but it, it's time for believers, if, if, if we look around us and say, you know, man, this... This doesn't look like what I want to look. Then, then maybe some of it is our, our fault for not being who we need to be every day, and and trying to honor God with everything we do, so that the world around us can see that. The best example of Jesus you can give people is yourself, letting Him flow through us and living with a, a spirit that people can't understand. You know, a, a loving, kind, caring spirit, and people respond to that. I don't care who they are; they respond to it. I had a fellow I worked with one time was probably as hardcore guy as you could ever meet about church or anything. He was one of them old men's men. You know, men don't cry. Men don't say I'm sorry. Men don't do this. Men don't do that. You know, just, and, and he was just kind of took no prisoners on everybody. I was talking out in the yard one day, and he said, come here a minute. 
And I walked over and he said, uh, I know you go to church and, and, and you're Christian and you're saved. And he said, I'd like to ask you a favor. And I, I didn't know what he was about to ask me because you got to know this guy to know, to know this. And he said, my best friend's got a five-year-old son. They just found out he had cancer. And he teared up a little bit. He said, would you pray for him? I said, absolutely. And, and I would have never dreamed that he would ask somebody to do that. But he trusted me enough to do that. That's the key. That taught me a great lesson that day because I never even thought about how. I mean, I didn't act up around him, but I never thought about that I was having any influence on him either other than just being there. So God's going to use us if we'll let him use us. And the opportunities are there. And, uh, and just, but just have to understand that it's his word. This is it. We can accept it. We can reject it. We can get mad. We can get glad. We can do whatever. But this isn't changing, never has, never will. And, and it's time that we accept that and love people but say, look, is a, I heard Dave Jeremiah say on TV this morning, he prayed in an event not long ago and some people from the back came up and because he ended in Jesus' name and, and one of them even cursed him. And he said, that's the only way I know how to pray. That's an honest answer. If we want, somebody wants to know about God, say, this is the only way I know to tell you about God. And so, don't be, the point is to not be ashamed of this because it actually builds strength in us. And then kind of just looking lastly here, he's talking about do God's work and do it. And he says, for doing the Lord's work is never in vain. You may not see it, but if you're doing what he told you to do, it's not in vain. It may not be very big, but it's not in vain. Never is. And so he, he challenges that. First John 4, 19 says, we love, and, and the other verse in, in, over in, uh, chapter 16, verse 13, he said, do everything in love. You put those two together. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. That's the challenge. That's the command. He didn't give us an option there. If Christ hadn't have loved us, we wouldn't have any hope. And now all he's challenged us to do is to love those around us because he first loved us enough to save us when none of us deserved it. And so that's the challenge. Secondly, thing to do in this is find out what God's called you to do and do it. We've all got a purpose. And, uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what society does or culture does. It doesn't matter what the churches or the church leaders does. It doesn't matter what laws get passed in America. If you are doing what God told you to do, it's not in vain. He will take care of it. You'll be blessed in it. And that's all you are responsible for. Do what he told you to do. We can't let the world around us influence the mission that he's given us in this world. That's not the way it works. And if he's doing, you know, it's not in vain at all. And, uh, you know, and, and so just thinking about that in our next year here in our church. We've had a great year in our church. It's been exciting there's a lot of great things coming. I mean, I've, I was, had the privilege of being in another church at one time when it was about the stage we're in here when you never knew who knew was coming every Sunday and just things happening, and it's exciting. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to next year. New changes, new people, new challenges, new opportunities. And, and so for us, when we look at that, we got two choices. You know, we can live for the world, and it's a pretty bleak picture if you look at it. I mean, and we're not being negative, but it is. If all you're living for is the world, you don't have a whole lot of hope. You might get some of the junk out of the world, but there's nothing lasting there. Or, you know, we can, we can, live, we can live for God who has everything to offer us and has done guarantee us. 
And the thing about it is when, when we look this down the next year in our lives as, as Christians and in this church, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge there. The opportunity is there. And the blessing is there. God wants to use us. God wants to accomplish things, though, which will honor him. But he wants to bless us in the process. Because, you know, and it doesn't mean he's going to give us all a lot of money or something. But, I mean, just the blessing of seeing one person get saved next year that you, that you interacted with. That, that, you don't put a price on something like that. Or the blessing to see, you know, some of your family come to Christ that you've been praying for for years. Or the blessing to see someone step up and start teaching that had never taught before and just see God bless that. That, that's, the, that's the encouraging thing about it and the exciting thing about it as we look ahead. So, and I know Lyle's probably going to do some things about next year and, and where we're going and talking about some things, but it just challenge you today to think about next year being more, more than you did this year, next year being more exciting than this year, next year being a higher level of service, just stepping out and saying, God, and, and, he, and here's the best way to do that. Go, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what you want. And then once you, you say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to start. He already knows all that. All he needs is for us to say, Lord, we love you. We need you. And you don't have to look around the world very much today to realize we need to be closer to him more than we ever have. And say, Lord, I'll let you use me. And I'll let you do your will through me. Because we're going to bless the people around us and just... I think we're going to see exciting things here. And I just, I just challenge each one here today, just think about that in the next few days and where God is leading you next year. The challenge is here, the opportunity is here, and the blessing is here. And may we step out and take advantage of that for his glory. Amen.